What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Rate Infinity Show podcast. This is episode number 124. Today, I got a guest on, someone who is really interesting, who I've been following for a little bit, and I like a lot of his takes, a whole bunch of them, actually. He's actually very anti-establishment and very populist like myself. Uh, you probably never heard of him, but I think a lot of you guys will like this guy. I got Joe Enders, who is the host of the Red Top Report podcast on YouTube. How you doing, brother? No, I'm glad to be on here. As soon as I heard that there was a uh, fellow anti-establishment fighter on the internet, I was like, I got to get on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I you know when I first found, I didn't know about you until like, um, an ad, I saw an ad about your channel. Like, um, I was oh. watching it. I was watching a daily wire um, video, a Ben Shapiro one. And then, then a, an ad of yours, of you, of red top report played and showed that you were talking about how they were, how the daily wire and, and Dave Rubin, all of them are part of the establishment, which is a hundred percent correct. I don't trust any yeah. of them, but yeah. Yeah. And I thought, Hey, this is hilarious that this is on one of their own videos. And then I went and looked you up and then it was like, I had to subscribe to you, man, because we share a lot of this very same opinions. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem that I have with a lot of the, um, with a lot of those types is that it seems like that they're, they're kind of forced to have like these, these uh, uniform opinions. And I think that when it comes to these political issues that you need to have a diversity opinions. Do I have a favorite person at the daily wire? Of course I do. I love Michael Knowles. Uh, I think he's one of my favorite guys there, but there's a lot of people and I can go, I can talk about Matt Walsh. I can talk about Ben Shapiro. There's just certain things that they say that I just don't uh, agree with and they kind of shout down anybody that that has those opinions that they might disagree with and i don't think it's genuine here at red top report we're genuine we want to be genuine we want to give people the real story the real conservative truth and sometimes those things are a little uncomfortable for modern america to digest and you know what we don't care we're going to say it anyways yeah so is red top report like a company or is it just like um you you and your buddies in like a studio or something yeah, so what we're doing on Red Top Report is we're actually affiliate, an affiliate of a Catholic media organization called Church Militant. So we, uh, they, they do a lot of work when it comes to like um, exposing like the bishops being corrupt when it comes to like sex abuse scandals or like Catholic charities getting involved in illegal immigration and stuff like that. That's more their end of things. And then on our end, we're kind of more talking about culture. We're talking about masculinity. We're talking about families. We're all about that domestic church while they focus on reforming the in institutional church yeah that's good uh i agree agree with a whole lot of what you said there like um i'm not catholic i'm actually non-denominational so yeah, we have a lot of things we can agree on right there but oh, yeah, maybe tons. maybe maybe a couple things we slightly disagree on but I, I would say overall we would agree on most things what we would agree on is family. You know, that's what I really think that, and and that and that's the main thing that I think America is missing these days. Um, when you look at, when you look at what happened to this country, you can all see you can you can see it all related to this idea that people are individuals. And when you have this idea that people are individuals, what happens is is you start to fracture communities. And when you fracture communities you ultimately fracture it down to the finest point of community. And that finest point of community is the family. The problem is, is that when you look at how civilizations are built, they are not built upon the backs of individuals, but they are built upon families. Families are what cultivate individuals to be moral people. They're what cultivate individuals to be productive people. They're everything that civilization is built on. And when you undermine the family, what you get are individuals, sure, and those individuals are in society, but they don't know how to operate in society. They don't know how to build that society up and make it something great. Well, you can't, in my view, you cannot have like a good family structure without having God be a major focus in, in, in that. 100%. That's 100% correct. You can go to all the statistics on this. You can look at divorce. If you pray every day and if you go to church weekly, your chances of getting divorced are virtually none. I mean, good grief. We can look at the structure of the family and the basis of that family being a strong faith. Because at the end of the day, what you're doing in a lot of these um familial disputes, or when you you have this subjective sense of morality, you're really only beholden to yourself to uphold something like a lifelong contract. And we can think about marriage as being one of those main things. And the marriage is the backbone of any family. 
So when you have this principle that's just subjective that you just believe in because you're a high-minded individual, but not because you are submissive or subordinate to a set of ideals that are all beyond you, beyond your greatness, and unless you're subordinate to those things, you can basically just get rid of it if things get too rough because it's really, at the end of the day, not going to be that important to you. Yeah. Like, for instance, like um, to touch on something like that, like black people, even though they're like I'm half black, most black people are liberal, but they socially they are they are more conservative than like, say, than white liberals or in, in some cases, even white libertarians in that matter. But the vast but the vast they always vote Democrat 90 plus percent of the time. But the mo but here's another thing that adds on top of that. The vast majority of those black families, they don't have a father in the house. That's the main issue that's driving them towards away from like God and like in like um and like um conservative values their conservative values as a whole. I see that. I, I see that, and it seems like this is kind of across the board as well. I mean, you can look at um, you can look at like like Jewish Americans, for example. Jewish Americans are another ones. They vote disproportionately for Democrats. Yet Democrats are the ones that are, you know, the ones that support Israel the most, for example, or, De or Democrats are the ones that oppose Israel. And meanwhile, the Republicans are the ones who support Israel the most. There seems to be this thing where people vote against their interests, generally speaking, in the United States of America. And I think a lot of it is just based on, I guess, this kind of obsession over what each people group wants and what each people group wants in, 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 is when it comes to the black community, black people want financial support. So if they're going to go for the more fiscally liberal group, um, when you look at, you know, more, I guess, liberal minded Jewish people, they're looking for a freer society and one without as much what they would what they would define as anti-Semitism. So obviously they're going to go vote for the Democrats that are more of the more more of the mind of standing against that anti-Semitism. That is more important to the Jewish community than something, let's say, along the lines of uh, supporting the state of Israel in which they don't even live. So this is all, I think, very practical at its heart. Yeah. So like like I said, my generation. I don't. I don't think you're. I think you're a millennial, correct? Barely. Yeah. I'm at the tail end of millennial. I'm a Zoomer. Okay. So yeah. the vast majority of my generation, they're pretty much indoctrinated, indoctrinated into what I call the matrix. Like um, they they go they go full on board into it. Even though, because the main reason why, at least in my opinion, my generation is extremely lazy and we and they just want handouts. Like they don't know what it's really like to work for something. So, at the end of the day, what they want is just a free um is just a free pass to like get by. So, but when really, if you look at it, people back in like say the fifties and the sixties. They work their you-know-what's off to just even barely scratch by. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I have a little bit more of a nuanced view on the topic than that. I do think that in many ways, like Zoomers and Millennials were kind of, they were kind of given a raw deal when it came to, you know, their education and stuff. Uh, they were told know, we, they were special. Exactly. They were special. Exactly. One, they were told they were special. Two, they were told if they went to college, they would get a job that would pay them very well. And it didn't matter what major they got. It didn't matter if the skills were practical or not practical. They just said, just get your four-year degree. And once you're done with your four-year degree, you'll be golden. And then, you know, they also said, oh, yeah, you'll be able to buy a house. You'll be able to do all of those things. Well, the act actually, the very, very irresponsible decisions of the predominant you know, ruling class in America, which is the baby boomers, was, you know, to make all of make the economy worse for us. You know, they kept voting for those Social Security increases that they knew we couldn't. They're the ones that got us into this massive debt situation. They're the ones that crashed the housing market. I mean, we look at all these different economic factors, and a lot of them were created by the irresponsibility of baby boomers, subprime mortgages during the housing crisis. These are all ideas that were bad that really made it difficult for us. I mean, housing prices rose 300% for millennials and Zoomers. Do we really think that we're going to be able to buy a house? We have to work harder for less and pay for more because expenses have also got, gone up as well. If you look at like cell phone bills, things like that, things that are actually required for practical uh, employment in the United States of America. So in, in many ways, you know, in many ways, you know, people of our generation have a raw deal. But at the, on the other hand, it doesn't really matter if you have a raw deal. You have to work and you have to make the best of it. You have to seize your power. You have to move forward and better yourself so you can break through whatever's in front of you. And that's where God comes in, I think, for the most part. 
Yeah, like me, I never went to college. In fact, I was a high school dropout. Like I had my I had reasons going by for that. But like um compared to like other Zoomers compared to me, I'm not gonna have any of that student any of that student loan debt for like a like what is it like 150 grand for like a gender studies major? Oh, yeah. like that. So yeah, which that's not gonna get you anywhere in life. But yeah, um I'm not gonna have that kind of debt on me because I'm not someone who likes taking out debts or loans or anything like that. I, I can't I'm I'm not able to do that. And like someone like me, I would actually be able to like buy a house like in my mid twenties or my late um twenties if it, it much instead of like someone who went to college because they took out so much of that debt. And what do you think happens when people get up get get into so much debt like that? They become a part of the system and they're going to go beg beg um um daddy big daddy government for help for that. But at the end of the day, who's running the government? Yeah, and 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 not only that, who sold the lie? Right. I mean, when you're a kid and, and, and I can remember this, you know, distinctly when I was in college, they flat out like put us through like instructional ways on how to become successful in our lives. One of which was to take out how to do student loans so you could get into college and you can do all of, do all of these things. So what you're doing is, is when you're brainwashing people, you know, in public schools, which is 100 percent facilitated by the government. I mean, we can see how we can see that with how they're attacking homeschoolers right now. Uh, in several states across the country, what you're looking at is is this mass brainwashing of an entire generation to put themselves into a position where they are financially incapable of actually going about day to day life. That's why we're looking at things like intergenerational homes again, like we had in like the 1890s, where you know you couldn't just move out of your parents' house and go do something. You'd have to sit in your house and tend to the farm for your whole life and just hope that once your parents die, you inherit. You inherit the property. It's insane the, what this financial irresponsibility on behalf of the boomers has actually done to the, millenn the millennial and Zoomer generations. Um, and, and, you know, I understand the complaining, but you cannot complain about something if you're not actively working to get yourself out of it. So I see that this, that other side as well is like what, I, what this is what I'm getting at. It's like you can't be a baby. That's what that, that's it. You can't be a baby about this stuff. You have to man up. You have to own your situation. You have to live with less. You have to do everything that you do to make sure that you are in a financially stable situation despite your circumstances, despite your circumstances. And yes, those circumstances may very well be somebody else's fault. Guess what? No one cares. Like the stereotypical um, American dream is like um, you, you, you own a house with that, that's, a, that's gated. You have a wife. You have kids. You, um, you, 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 work, you go to work. We work in an office. You come back. And on the weekends, you barbecue with your friends. Most people will never experience something like that because, like, it's nearly impossible to even, like, own a house. And, like, um, even though it's almost nearly impossible to, like, have many kids today, well, I think I think regardless, even if you can't afford it, you should have a whole lot of kids because people back in, like, 100, 200 years ago had, like, eight kids and they were dirt poor and they raised them to be great people. Most people today are get Bluetooth sensitive. Like, um, they value certain – they value money and personal objects way too much. Than they than they should. I, I fully admit that. I'm guilty of that as well. I can attest to that. But like I said, it's not coincidence with how, how like things have been going. Patriotism is on the decline. Um, education, like particularly like um, intelligence, is on the decline. Population is on the decline. Everything is on the decline in America, and no one wants to sit here and talk about it when they realize, hey, all these things are happening at the same time, and plus, on t and plus, our country is declining. Is this just a huge coincidence or not? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's directly related to people. I mean, here's the problem. A lot of people try to say it's like, oh, it's because the economy is in a downturn right now. Oh, it's because of racism. Oh, it's because of sexism. Oh, it's because of homophobia. I mean, you can, and, and they'll go down all these lists of, you know, completely, and, and, and I'll say it, completely irrelevant isms. Because it's going back to what we said about the millennials and the Zoomers. It's like, do I feel bad about some bad things that happened to them? Of course I do. And I've felt some of those things personally myself. But you know what? Get over it. Get over it and move on with your lives. You know, and, and that's and that's sort of the thing. Yes, people should make up for the wrongs that they did to you. But if they're not going to, your life goes on. Your life is better because of that. Now, what we're seeing in America right now are the fruits of something that can't necessarily be fixed as easily and something that people are directly responsible for. I would say specifically, you know, uh, Enlightenment liberals, uh, Marxists, which are an extension of Enlightenment liberals. All of these ideas were pumped into a otherwise functioning civilization, which was medieval Christendom. Um, and, and 
and basically changing our view of humanity and how people interact with one another and how people view themselves. And what happens is, is when you start with this idea that's, that absolute truths are worthy of being questioned and that we need to waste time debating these things when civilization has already established them as being um, established truths, you wind, up, you wind up questioning the truths of your faith. And then after you wind up questioning the truths of your faith, which happened in the 1500s, then you move on to what are we questioning next? Now we're questioning the actual building block of society. Is it the family or is it individuals? Um, and then after we decided that it was individuals in the Enlightenment, we had all of these you know, revolutions across the world, the French Revolution, we had the American Revolution, that all established these truths. And then we move on to this next thing. Well, now it's, you know, we're going to extend it to, let's say, uh, let, let's say we're extending individualism to the actual family unit itself, the actual family unit itself, because now we're going to dissolve the idea that a household is who uh, elects our leaders. It's no longer a household that elects our leaders. It's actually every individual within the household. Then you fracture the family from within because you allow dissent in a negative context. You allow people to go against um, the traditionally accepted household structure, which was husband, wife, children, well, and in that order. Well, it went God, husband, wife. Of course. Well, God is always on top. Well, exactly. Well, 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 the structure is like um when 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 a couple get married they become one and like yeah. um now that you have to have a head of the household which is which is the husband but the one who's like in charge of everything is God like um the right. wife it doesn't mean the wife doesn't get a say but you have to have one head of the head of a household so like the household is yeah. supposed to go God husband wife children that's just how it is it's the natural it's the natural structure not only and once again what is a family but a miniature civilization it is the structure of civilization um to go that direction and and once again like like people say it's just like oh you want men to just you know have these absolute authorities and things like that no men are the final say in the household men are submissive to plenty of things uh men are submissive to their government authorities men are submissive to their church authorities men are submissive to god men are submissive to many things in their lives they're just not submissive to their wives and their children uh and that and that's and that i think is a thing that a lot of people don't realize it's it's not about submission per se it's about order as god ordained in this in, in his creation our universe is not chaotic our universe is not random chemical reactions that just spit out created beings it's ordered it's procedural everything is precise and it creates beautiful things things that we find beautiful people and, and that <coughs> And when you view the universe through that lens, it's quite clear that there that, that that human beings ought to emulate that order. Because whereas chaos is is by its very nature imperfect, because it can't form anything unless it's randomly. When you have order, it builds towards something greater. It builds towards something beautiful. It builds yeah. towards something amazing. Yeah, you mentioned order, like um. That's like the Catholic versus Protestant um, debate. Like Catholics, like um, there's like the Catholic Church is like a structure in the church itself. But the Protestant Church, like um, if you really look at it, they believe a lot of this. If you look at the things they believe, it's pretty much almost identical. But the Protestant Church, they're like more open, more free and stuff like that. So that's that's really what it goes by. Like um, if you have there's a reason like if you have order with the Catholic Church, there's a there's a lot. You you're that's longevity. But with yep. the Protestant Church, who anything can happen. Which that what it, you you need to have at least at minimum have at least a standard of what you're going to be doing. You can't just like um yeah. that, that gets in like the black standard. Like um um uh what's it called again? Affirmative action. I am not. I'm personally am not a fan of affirmative action. Like yes, I do. I want more black people in colleges. Of course I do. But I don't want dumber black people in colleges. That makes all black people look worse. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and and here's the thing. You know, you want pe you want people to earn their place in society, and I think that that I, I think that that's a noble. I think that that's a noble thing to do. And and you know, but but in many ways, you know, I I, I also on the, on the, there's the meritocracy idea where everybody is you know judged by their merit. But there's this. We, when we when we when we fixate on something like a meritocracy where everybody is judged by by you know uh, their competency and merit to do something, we forget that merit is kind of often generational. So when we look at something hierarchical, we look at something you know structured like that. 
Well, the structure at being raised in that structure or having the knowledge of somebody who lived under that structure, imparting that onto the next person and giving you an entire lifetime to build on their discoveries. I mean, in many ways, when you have like a hierarchical system like that, the person with the most merit is often that person. Now, it's not always the case. And when it's not the case, the person with more merit should obviously be put into those positions. So, you know, you're, you're, you do walk a tightrope. And, and once I do think one of the vulnerabilities that Protestantism does have is that is that it's it's so open. I mean, we can see what Saul Alinsky did to black churches in the inner city um, with his community organizing and stuff like that. He made them all a bunch of you know pro-abortion you know Democrat you know uh, pro-pro-abortion pro supporting Democrat donors that uh, you know are obsessed with welfare. It fundamentally changed the the outlook of uh, of black people, and 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 that was largely a consequence to the churches being so vulnerable and not having an answer to a higher national national power. Yeah. Like how can Raphael Warnock just sit up there saying he's a he's a pastor but before but be a pro abortion. I don't no, get the, it. The Bible's the Bible's extremely clear on this. I mean, cuz Protestants Christian, Pro Protestants Catholics or we all hey, we can all agree on this. The Bible flat out says that God that God knew you that God knew you in your mother's womb. It says that he wove you together in your mother's womb. All of these things. I mean, we have a fetus. I mean, let's think about John the Baptist, guys. When Mary went to go visit her kinswoman Elizabeth, uh, she, you know, the child in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. Do non-living clumps of cells leap for joy? Do they have feelings? Do they have emotions? Do they have those things? No, that's an act of the soul. So obviously, if something has a soul, it's alive. So if you're a believing Christian, if you're a believing Catholic, you know, um, Catholics are Christians, by the way. But um, if you're if you're if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and His teachings, if you're a believer in the Bible, I mean, for goodness sakes, you better know that abortion's wrong. It's killing a baby, and it's never acceptable. Yeah. So that's what I. To me, I. Raphael Warnock is a fake pastor, in my opinion. I do not consider him to be like a real pastor or a real Christian. That's my opinion. You're 100% correct. He, he, what he's doing is, is he's, he's supplanting the true gospel for his own gospel that provides him political gain. And, and at the end of the day, a true believer confesses you know, with his lips. He, 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 is he is baptized a believer. He must believe what he says. If you are baptized and you go against the teachings of the church, and you knowingly go against the teachings of the church because there's some sort of financial gain, you are an apostate. You are a heretic. You're not welcome. You are out of the church, and you need to have a full confession before you can be allowed back. Yeah. It's a pretty serious situation for, for, uh, for Warnock, and when you, when you look at a lot of people like that. Uh, this, is, this is the danger, though. The danger that we see in America right now is that Christians are have, have been so long deceived by grifters, by political pawns, by shills for decades. So they don't know what Christianity actually is. That's why I feel so privileged as a Catholic to be able to go back to these medieval scholars uh, going all the way back to the earliest of the early church to read these sources and understand what it actually is. What is this Christianity thing? What has it taught for thousands of years? I have this, I, 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 it's just, I gotta say, it's one of my favorite things about being Catholic is that, is that I access those things and I get this deeper understanding of what I believe the church actually teaches. Now, I'm not saying Protestants can't go look at it themselves, but we just, it's just something us Catholics do. Well, you know, I don't know many Protestants going back and, you know, reading like the Council of Nicaea or something like that, like, like we are. They're more interested in reading the Bible, which is good too. But uh, we, we, we read the councils. We under, we, we're trying to figure out what the church itself is. And I think the Protestants, a lot of them have lost that and they need to come back. Yeah. So like, I'm um, like, Paul, was it in Ephesians or James? You, no, I think it was Ephesians. I, I, yeah, it was in Ephesians where he like, where like he basically like outlawed that um how the structure of the church must be. Where like um women, women should be silent in the church. Like um, yes. sometimes, sometimes um women can can like ask their husband questions at, at home. Like um, what some of my uh, one of my other friends he told me this that um they can women can teach other women in the church, but not but not be pastors. Me, I'm actually, I, for some reason, I just don't think that women should be teaching at all in the church, no matter what, in my view. They should just be just be there and just listening to what's being said. Well, women in the church have a very interesting role. So 
women are not barred from teaching anything per se. What they're called to is a life of submission and domesticity. So that means that, in, you know, unless there's some sort of extraordinary higher calling, I mean, because we can go back in the old time. You have like Ruth, you have you have women that, that, that but these are extraordinary circumstances where there just simply is, is no one else to do the job. Right. That's when you're talking about that. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that means women pastors. It's very clear in Scripture that there are to be no women pastors. Uh, Christ chose 12 people. And one of those people was his own, you know, God chose 12 people and they were all men. And he had his own mother who he loved dearly to choose to do that as well, who was one of the greatest, the greatest human beings who's ever lived. And he didn't pick her. So what does that, what does that tell you about what he's calling his church to do? He's calling his church to be led by men. It's a patriarchal system and it's a patriarchal system because femininity is not conducive to leadership. Uh, femininity is conducive to nurturing, to loving, to to cultivating in, in in a very unique way. So they're called to in the home. They're called to domesticity. They're not barred from teaching the faith. They're barred from going out into the world and evangelizing. One because the world's a dangerous place and terrible things can happen to women in those sorts of instances. And then the other thing, uh, and, and 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 in the other sense, you know, they're called to teach their children these things. And if you have a woman going out there. You know, if you have wives and wives and mothers going out there and trying to cultivate the faith in other people, well, why aren't they at home cultivating that in their children? See, at the end of the day, when you're a wife or a mother, your job is to cultivate your children. It's your job to teach them the faith. So, I mean, why would you not put all of your effort into that when that's what God gave you this this uh, vocation to do? Um, you know, I, I know there's higher callings with nuns. We can look at Mother Teresa serving the poor, but even she did so less in a, in a, I'm going out and preaching the gospel like St. Paul and more in a charitable, loving and nurturing way. It's just, yeah. how, it's just femininity and it's beautiful and God made it that way. So we should love it. Have you ever watched Alan Parr before? I've not. You gotta, you gotta watch him, man. Like, um, when you can look him up. Because he's he's actually a, a a preacher who does a YouTube. He has his own YouTube channel, and it's huge. And he talks about all this kind of stuff. And one of his videos, he talked about he warned about like um have about churches that have like um a man and a woman at the head of it. Like he he said that those are deceptive churches that everyone should be staying away from with with all their might. Yeah, well, because at the end of the day, what it's showing is that there's some sort of equalness between the husband and the wife, and. The only equalness that, first off, any two be two human beings have at all with one another is equal in, in you know, uh, have, having being bestowed upon them by God. People are not equal. People are not equal. That is a fallacy. It's not true. We're we're, we're equal in the sense that God loves us. Yeah. We're that and and that, and that's it. That's really it. So a husband and a wife are not equals. The man has headship over his wife. So what you do when you go up onto a stage and you have the husband and the wife coming out and they're holding hands and lifting up and saying, we love Jesus or something like that. You're right off the bat presenting an, a disordered view of the family. You're presenting a disordered view of how things should be. And not only that, you're showing that my, my wife, who I'm charged with protecting, I am throwing out into the public world where there are murderers, there are rapists. There are people out there that want to that, that can hurt her, and I'm putting her face out there. There's a reason that on my social media, there's like maybe one picture, and it's a blurry picture of my wife's face. You don't see her. She's public. She's not. She's private. She's not a. She's not a public figure because I want to protect her. I want to keep her safe from anybody that can do that. As is my duty as a husband, and my wife only appreciates me more because I do these things for her. And, and, you know, with feminism and stuff, a lot of women have been very much persuaded out of believing these things, out of believing that these things that will naturally make them feel loved, that will naturally make them feel uh, uh, submissive to a man are bad. Those are not bad things. It's good that you like it when your husband is protecting you and doesn't want you out in the public world. Uh, you know, and if that's his reason, then that should be his reasoning for doing it. Yeah. Like I'm. Like God, he chose men. Like he loves um, both men and women equally, but he chose men to be the leaders. Like um, if you notice something like in like when Adam and Eve, Eve ate the fruit, you know, Eve ate the fruit first. And if you notice, nothing happened. It wasn't until Adam ate the fruit where all that, where all the stuff went down. 
because well, yeah, be, because God chose Adam. To, to, he chose him to be like the keeper. He gave him all the information, and he betrayed him. So, and, and and you know what this this is this is one of the things that we have to look at here. I mean, there, there's an interesting piece of theology that I heard one time from a priest where he says that you know Eve, the struggle the struggle of woman goes all the way back to Eve, and the struggle of woman with sin was always you know following her husband. And, and and try, but what Eve did in a way, which is part of the sin, you know, was convincing Adam. So trying to usurp his leadership authority and doing something, you know, that 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 her that her husband would not have told her to do. Um, you know, there that's part of it. There's this there's this there's this falling from Eve and the fall of woman. There was the fall of woman and the fall of man, and both took place relatively at the same time. But you have different causes for each, and each has a different means. And that means for Eve was that, you know, there's this struggle to be subordinate to a man. There's a struggle to be subordinate to the man. But when she is, she projects through her soul, which your soul is a magnifying glass. This is straight from Scripture. Our, our You know, Our Lady, the, you know, the mother of Jesus Christ, flat out said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Woman, and when what was the what was the act when you know her soul magnified the Lord? It was an act of humility and submission to God. Is when the angel Gabriel came. Yep, yeah. that's that's profound. That's a profound statement of womanhood and what it looks like and how how women magnify God. Yeah, like women, they're naturally meant to be like um 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 obey. I forget what the word is. Um submissive they're they're meant yes. to obey while men are meant to be leaders that's why i that's why we don't have a draft that's why we don't have women enter the draft because women because men are supposed to be the ones to go out there and fight the battles or women are the ones that are supposed to be to be here and take care of the take care of the take care of the children and the house yeah and, well, to, be and, there to, and, and to support her um, their husbands when they need to Right, and we're more physically capable to do those things. Now, one of the important nuances to recognize with this sort of thing is that um, men, are, war is not good for men. You know, uh, all these terrible things that we have to experience, uh, they're not good for men. It's not good that men are away from their kids because they have to go out into the world and work all day. None of these things are good. There's only a the fallen world has happened. We live in it. We have made our bed with sin. We are merely more equipped. And that is why it, why we go out and die. That is why Christ says, you know, um, wives, wives uh, obey your husbands as, uh, as the church submits itself to Christ. You know, I believe that's Ephesians. It's, I probably yes. said that backwards, but that's Ephesians. Um, so, you know. No, you said it right. You said I did okay. As, as Christ loves, as Christ loves the church, Saint Paul also says, and I can't remember which book he says this in, but he also says that you you need to be willing to lay down your life for for your for your spouse. You need to love your spouse, and and, and in a way, that's why leaders are leaders are leaders are technically more valuable than you would think than a mother would be. But in our society, since we're called to love our wives, which is precisely what makes us good leaders, is our love. That we have towards our wives, our protect, our, our our desire to protect, our desire to provide. That's why we're able to build civilizations. You know, we have those we have those uh, in, inherent urges in us. Those inherent ur urges allow us to have the mental fortitude to push through these things in a way that women just can't do at the same level men can. Yeah, like one of my friends, he told me this. His son is in flag football, and like I'm um, during like one of the practice or something, he fell down and like I'm um, hurt himself and like started crying. Then he he actually went over there, took his son to the side, and talked to him. Hey, is it, is it, get up. There's nothing wrong. Get get your you know what back out there. And then like um his wife came around saying, I'm asking like, oh, is he okay? Is he okay? And then right. and then my friend said, he's fine. Let him get back to work and and let him get back to to playing. And that's really what it goes down like. Women, they're like more compassionate. That's really, at, at, at times, they're way too compassionate. But men, we're supposed to be more hardcore and like um, just like sit, run in there with the bulls. Yeah, we're preparing, we're preparing our sons and we're preparing our daughters to go into a world that is very dangerous. And and as and as and with your daughters, I mean, this is something that I think isn't talked about enough. But when, when it comes to daughters, 
men are not supposed to dress in tutus and have tea parties with their kids with their daughters that's not that's not the point of fatherhood i mean obviously you're supposed to spend time with your daughter obviously you should be happy that she's playing with you know dolls and doing feminine things yeah. as opposed to being interested in you know male stuff or whatever that might be but your responsibility is to set an example and i mean that your duty is to set an example of what a man is supposed to be like so that when she goes out and looks for a husband she finds a man of of, of similar temperament and virtue as her father was so you yeah. see all these you see all these only fans thoughts out there you see all these like you know, you see all these uh, morally loose women. We'll just say that. Uh, we'll call them that for the yeah. for, 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 for the purposes of the show. We'll call them morally loose women out there. Yeah, it's because their fathers were horrible examples of men for them. That's why they're going after horrible men with horrible yeah. values that just want to sleep with them, that just want to get them pregnant. And then they are pregnant. And then they are, then, then it's, it's, it's just a cycle that keeps repeating itself. They're raised by a deadbeat. And then that kid's raised by a deadbeat because that's the only example that women really have in the household. Now, when a woman has a good example, my wife had a fantastic father. Yeah. Guess what? She finds a man that reminds her of her father. And I've heard it many times from my wife that I remind her in temperament, obviously. I'm not saying be sexually attracted to your dad. This is before but a stupid soundbite comes out on that one. <laughs> I'm saying in temperaments is similar, similar to her to, to their father. Well, guess what? She found a good man, and that man's married to her, and I'm Catholic. I go to my I go to church every week. I make us pray every night, even when we don't wanna. I mean, that that's what you need in your marriage. And when you have that example, you wind up like my wife, as opposed to ending up like yeah. I don't know. I I, I I don't know, you know, like Adam 22 or something like that, who's like, you know, telling telling his wife that it's okay if he go she goes and has sex with other men while they're married. Like me, my this is my personal opinion, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this. But I do not believe that um your anyone's daughter should be allowed to get married at all in any sense unless the father approves of it. That's just my opinion. Like it's, it's a long-standing tradition. It's a long-standing tradition. That's why the that's why the father hands over the bride. Yeah, that's why. If the father does not agree to it, then she should not be legally allowed to get married. In my opinion, that's my that's, opinion. That's, that's my very. Opinion. That's interesting. I, I'm, I, you know, I wonder about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would go quite that far, but I do think that it's a tradition that it's. And, and by the way, a necessary tradition that that first off, that the husband seeks the father's blessing. But the problem is, is that what the reason I, I don't want it to be an absolute is because the fathers aren't good these days. What's a, what's a father going to assent to these days? I mean, it, I guess. I guess, you know, will they assent to a, a bad man that's, you know, well, he's not great on faith. He's not great on other things, but I think he's a really good guy. And he likes the same football team that I do. I don't want to see women being handed off that way. I want strong men of profound faith being recognized for their, for, for, for their strength and their profound faith and being picked, hand, you know, being handpicked by the father and saying like, ah, this is the one that I want. Like, I, I also believe that, um, I, this is another unpopular thing, but I think the women, sh the wife should legally have no choice but to take the husband's last name after marriage, no matter what. Oh, yeah, some, no, that's 100%. That's a, I'm 100% with you on that. If there are women out there that don't do that, or if they do, they'll still keep the last name, but just add the husband's last name. But no, I go, I think it should be fully on that she should have to take the husband's last name as a whole. Fully, no ifs, ands, or buts. This, this kind of goes back to a greater question here. I think that legally that America needs to start reflecting some level of identity. What it seems like America is trying to do right now is saying, oh, well, we're a secular country. Everybody's welcome and stuff like that. Well, no, 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 no. We have values. We have morals. There's a there's an underpinning that our society is held up by. And it's not just this arbitrary idea of freedom and equality. No, we're a people. We're a people from a place with a history. And that history is Christian. Good grief. Um, I, I just, I, I just like, why don't our laws reflect our Christian tradition? Of course they should reflect our Christian tradition. Why? Because our, you know, 1% Muslim minority in the country is offended by it. I don't really care. I don't care if our 1% Jewish minority is offended by our Christian customs in this country. It doesn't matter. You're moving to a country filled with Christians. You better get used to the fact that we go by Christian traditions here. That means no hyphenated last names. That is a, that is a subversion of what's actually going on in the marriage. They are becoming one flesh with the man at the head. Of course, the wife is to take that 
name. And it, and, 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 and you know, I, I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm not saying it's necessarily an intentional sin on some people's parts. I want to be charitable to anybody out there who may have been misinformed, who may not know that the, how the gravity of the situation when you do that. But there, it's a very serious thing to do to tell the world that you're actually not one flesh with your husband and you're retaining uh, part of your past identity. No, you are a new person in your vocation. You're unified in one flesh when you engage in the sexual act with your with your spouse. It's a very serious thing. It's a very serious thing. Yep. I 100% agree with you right there. Like, I'm, like our, this is just my, this. I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I'm actually a Christian nationalist. I believe America, we should like, I think we should like reform like America into like because in our system right now with all this woke nonsense that's been going on, yeah. there's there's no way we can live with all these people. There's no way we can. So like I think we need to reform America into be a Christian nationalist country, put Christian values everywhere because America was founded on on Judaic Christian values. So I think we should go full on board into it even deeper. Like I'm, I even go as far to say this. I've said not only should we turn America into a Christian nationalist country. This is very extremely unpopular, but I think we should like have a Christian king, like, and I believe that person should be Trump in my view. Like Trump, he's not religious by any means, but in my opinion, he's the most pro-Christian president we've ever had, at least in recent times. I, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Donald Trump, and and I and I'm all for you know I'm I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for Christian nationalism, and I've talked about this a lot. And you know what? Uh, right wing watch can throw me on their uh, on their stupid little Twitter page and call me an extremist because I believe this. But I am obviously a harbinger of the gospel. I unapologetically will spread it. And there's yeah. nothing there is nothing on God's green earth that can stop me short of martyrdom. So you can either send me to heaven quicker, which, by the way, I'm fine with or. Or I'm going to keep disobeying anything that tells me that I should not be pursuing the kingdom of heaven on earth. I will yeah. do that to my dying breath. Now, that said, when it comes to Christian nationalism, absolutely, we need to be spreading Christian values. Absolutely, we need to be spreading all of these ideas. Like I said, we are a people and our people should be Christian. And the ones that aren't Christian should be should be. Um, should be entitled to know the truths of Christianity. Now, there's this there's this massive, massive conversation uh, among theologians right now that you know Christendom is over, and because Christendom is over, and we operate in a pluralistic society, we need to uh, we need to be respectful of religious freedom. We need to respect those things, and it's like, well, yes, in this society, we should because it could come back to bite us in the end. Uh, and I can think of many instances where that. That could happen. I mean, look what happens. What happens if we elect, you know, uh, atheist president, you know, atheist president Joe Biden? Oops, did I say that? Um, to, to office, and he says we have to persecute Catholics. Well, because there's no freedom of religion, well, now they can take away your freedom of religion, and then you're in trouble. This is what Thomas Jefferson was warning warning about. Yeah. But hold on, but but they're not asking the right question. They're not asking the right question. They're not answering the right question. The question isn't this. The answer, the question is, is Christendom better than pluralistic society? The answer is yes. Is bad Christendom better than pluralistic society? The answer is yes. So then what is the question? Is the question how we live in a pluralistic society? Or is the question how do we bring back Christian society, Christendom? Yeah. Lordship under Christ. How do we bring that to our nation? And if that's the foundation of Christian nationalism, I'm 100% down for it because that's a question that we need to start having. How do we move back? How do we transition from the objectively worst secular pluralistic, religiously pluralistic society that we have right now and back towards virtue, back towards Jesus Christ? That's what I'm not seeing. Yeah, you just mentioned like I'm, I'm prosecuting like um Christian like Christians or Catholics. They kind of already are. Biden's yeah, are. DOJ is because like um you remember that pro life um Catholic that um that um uh, got Mark arrested. Hauk. Mark Hauk. Yeah. yeah, that the was it the I think the FBI like um burst into his broke into his house yeah. and arrested him in front of his family. So yeah, it was what's wild. They they bust down his door in front of his kids, and they and by the way, the FBI had like long guns on them, like like rifles. <laughs> like 
<laughs> what on earth are you doing? Rifles, shotguns, you know, I don't know what. It's just like you guys are completely out of line right now. And this person was cooperative with them on top of it. Not to mention you had the FBI report after the fact accusing, uh, uh, telling them to put informants in Catholic churches oh. that, that celebrate the traditional Latin mass. More traditionally minded Catholics are being literally persecuted by their government, not knowing if they can trust their parishioners or not, because the FBI is actively spying on them by virtue of how they prefer to practice their faith. Oh, hell yeah, that's persecution. Hell yeah, that's persecution. And that's what I'm saying, is that this is why in a pluralistic society, you should be advocating for more religious freedom right now. Because I want more religious freedom right now means my religion is more protected from that nonsense. Okay, fine. But now let's start asking the question, how do we get back to what we had? Yeah. Like you mentioned, like they're the government spying on particularly like Catholics. I would say most Catholics are at least the majority of like legitimate ones are probably like um, conservatives or even MAGA. Like you remember what Hillary Clinton said about that MAGA cultists need to be deprogrammed. So yep. they're openly admitting what they want to do. They're openly admitting it. And people are just too naive to, 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 to not believe it. Yeah, they, 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 the problem that I have with this is the, this idea that Catholics, that they'll just say that they're not anti-Catholic and then they'll throw up like Joe Biden or, you know, Tim Kaine or some Nancy of, you know, some of, yeah, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, the, the, the whole kit and caboodle of these guys, these guys, these guys don't care about the faith. They don't care about their faith at all. They're only Catholic insofar as they received the sacrament of baptism and confirmation and just went through the motions. They don't actually believe the teachings of the church. And if anybody knows that in order to be a practicing Catholic, you have to believe every single thing the Catholic church teaches. That includes their teachings on abortion. That includes their teachings on divorce, which for Catholics, you're not allowed to get divorced. And it's the same thing. Contraception. Exactly. The same thing. The very reason that we're in this population crisis right now, by the way, is because of contraception and abortion. Yeah. No pornography. None of it. You can't have any of that in, as a Catholic. And all of these people are advocating all these processes. Same thing with gay marriage. Joe Biden actually officiated a gay wedding. I think I think two actually he officiated. Now, like, you think you get to call yourself a practicing Catholic? Why? Because you show up to mass and and, and you know I mean no, that's not how it works. When it look when you when it comes to practicing Catholics that it, that attend mass weekly, that pray daily, and believe everything that the church teaches, yeah, I would I would be willing to guess they're pretty conservative. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm non-denominational, but I believe in like um, I, I believe what Catholics, I believe in what Catholics believe on contraceptives. I'm actually against them, to be honest. I truly am, because I think it does way more harm than good, if any good at all. Which I don't even, not sure if it does any good whatsoever. Well, when you look at things, you know, with the elites right now, the elites are definitely interested in depopulation. And you know, you look at things like climate change, for example. I think one of the largest reasons to plot climate change is pushed so hard is because it's supplanting the old depopulation movement from the 1970s. You had the the, the book, uh, The Population Bomb, come out that said all the fish in the sea were going to be dead because all the people were going to eat all of them or something like that. It was ridiculous. By 1985, here we are 40 years later, still plenty of fish, guys. Um, <laughs> Al Gore said that by 2013, New York, L.A. would all be flooded. That, right. Those were all lies. And what are they saying to do to reduce your carbon footprint? Obviously, have less kids. Obviously, you know. Um, Could track uh, you and control you and microchip you. All of those sorts of things. And and I'm not, I, I won't be shocked. I don't know if this is the case. I won't be shocked if 10, you know, 10 years down the line from now, we find out that those vaccines that they forced us all to get have some sort of cause some sort of fertility problem. And if that hasn't been done yet, I'm, I imagine that's already in the works or something like that. You look at things like the Georgia Guide. Has been. Yeah, you look at you look at you look at things like the Georgia Guidestones, you know, that were blown up a while back. Those are created by uh, what's at least believed they, they're believed to be. We actually really don't know. The, the guy who did it was called R.C. Christian, and a lot of people think that that is a um, that is a pseudonym for a random person. But this pseudonym is for uh, the Rosicrucian Order, and the Rosicrucian Order. One of their one of their goals is to get the Earth's population down to 500 million people, um, and and this is the problem. They they actually believe that we're destroying the Earth, which God gave us dominion over, by having too many kids. So in order to solve this problem, we actually need to have artificial birth control. We need to have abortion. And what are transgender surgeries? They're sterilizations. 
is sterilizing the kids because they sterilizing know sterilizing the kids. That it's yep. not, it's it, you have to be you have to be naive to or le- or I should be or, or I'll say it up front. You have to be dumb to not realize what's going on. It's all yeah. it's all intentional. It's all coordinated. They're not trying to hide what they're trying to do. They're actually very open about it. But people still call it a conspiracy theory. It's all related because you can go back every single one of those like ridiculous social policies that you can conjure up in your brain that the Democrats defend, even though everybody in the population is just like, what are you doing? This is idiotic. All of those things are somehow related to things that will reduce the global population. I mean, yeah, I mean, go down the list, transgenderism, climate change, gay marriage, abortion, contraception, divorce. What are what ends to all of those things serve? Of course, it well, does. It's, it's less sex, less kids. You should just say wokeism as a whole. Yep, wokeism is anti-children at its very at its heart, and that's what like people, they, that's what a lot of people miss. A lot, all these woke people—they always say they want to abolish the nuclear family. So, I if if you if it's a conspiracy theory, why are they saying that like right out front then? It's a conspiracy. Here's the thing: it's like it's their conspiracy theory. It's like a conspiracy theory that the elites believe. It's very bizarre. You know, you'll hear Alex Jones talk about it and talk about like interdimensional satanic pedophiles and stuff like that. And it's just like well, I don't think you're too far off the mark there. <laughs> He's not too far off the mark when he says that. You know, a lot of these people um, are, are pushing the sexuality boundaries because they have a they they they're rich and they have all sorts of elaborate sex their entire lives. So. You know, it's a natural progression that they're going to end with children for their next sexual thrill. And that's how you get your Epstein Islands. Yeah. And this is also, this is why I think we, this is why I think Trump is like pretty much the best politic, at least president in my, in my lifetime. And probably in one of the best of all time, in my opinion, he, 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 like I said, he's not a Christian. He's not religious by any means, but he is pro Christian. He's the most pro and a lot of his policies benefit everybody. And, he he was he's for protecting the children. He's anti-transgenderism. He's um he's um he's against wokeism as a whole. He like he's for the people, like um in in for God as a whole. Like I was actually at one of the, he's actually did an event here in my city about a couple weeks ago. I actually went to there, and a person like in the audience he acknowledged this person. The person said he he was like right in the front row. He told Trump like he said God gave you to us, and then Trump said well thank you. That's that's a great thing that I'm um, knowing that God God gave me to you, so yeah. I, and you know what? Here's here's what I say about people like Trump. There's you know there, there's there's two types of there's two types of people in the world. There's the uh, there's the evil people that are obstinately anti-Christian, and then there's people of goodwill. And Trump, you know, he might not understand the theology. He might not understand the nuances of Christian teaching. He may not be the best example of Christian manhood in the entire world. And we, we can all agree, we can all agree on that. But he is a man of goodwill. His sheer love for America, his sheer love of doing whatever he can to make this the best country in the world naturally makes him come to the conclusions that a lot of these Christian norms are good things. And that's why he pushes for them. That's why he got all those pro-lifers on the on the bench and destroyed Roe v. Wade. You know, he, he can make he can make all the comments he wants about, you know, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis's abortion ban. At the end of the day, he want, he still is the most pro-life president yeah. we have had since abortion was made legal in this country. Yeah. Well, Trump, he is the most pro-life president we've had. The reason he, in my because I saw your video where you talked about like um he, how he was talking about he's he's like not yeah. being specific. That was wrong. By, by the way, that was wrong. What he said was completely wrong. It was a great thing that Ron DeSantis did. That well, said. Well, well, go ahead. What I think is like Trump, he's trying to back. He's he. I think he he's truly is pro life. He just doesn't want to talk about it. Yep. The reason why? Because I think he realizes what happened in the midterms. Like Roe v. Wade. Like was it the main factor that why we got embarrassed and destroyed in the midterms? I don't think it was, but I think yeah. it played some part. It had to have some part. So that's why I think Trump is not like talking about it nearly as much. So because yeah. he realize because he realizes that particularly with my generation and a lot of other people. Most people, like most Republicans, are not pro-life. Conservatives are pro-life, but like most, like most, like particularly with my my generation, is extremely um, pro-choice, extremely yeah. pro-choice. And he, and he, I think he's just trying to back off just so he can get more get more votes that way. That's just the way I've been interpreting it. No, I, I interpret it the same way. I even said in the video, I think he's here's 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 what he did that's wrong, right? Here's what Trump did that I think was wrong. I understand what he did, but I think it was wrong. Um, I, I, that's what I said. He's playing politics. 
he's he's trying to he's trying to sound like he's nuanced on the issue, even though he isn't. And and he's doing that because he does believe that in part that the midterms were were determined by that. And he's not entirely wrong about that, by the way. Uh, what they what the Democrats did was is they weaponized the Roe v. Wade being overturned issue to go to college campuses and, and literally say you will not be able to have sex or you know you'll not be able to have sex freely anymore. Uh, they're taking control of your bodies. That they're, they're going to ban contraception next if you don't go vote on this initiative ballot initiative right now to legalize abortion in your state. There are, they, of course they use those sorts of things to to get to get Democrat votes to come in. That said, it doesn't change the fact that it was a good thing. And I don't think that it's wrong to say that it was a good thing, but if there's no, and, and you shouldn't be deceptive, a deceptive person. But I do, th I do believe as well, because you've heard his statements at the March for Life. I mean, we've heard his other yeah. statements. He's very, if he believes any of the things that were written in those, in those speeches, yeah, that yeah. guy's pretty pro-life. Like he even said during the 2016 campaign in, in the debates with Hillary, well, Hillary, I should say, he, he told her <laughs> yeah. that I would, that I would appoint on pro-life justices to the Supreme Court. He said that on record. And yeah, he and he still won. And he, like I said, to this day, I'm I'm still shocked that he won because at that time I was blue pilled. So, but yeah, but when I became red pilled in 2020, I became I'm, I was glad about it. I was I'm really glad about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he really did transform. And and you know what? What he perhaps the greatest thing of, of the Trump presidency outside of overturning Roe v. Wade because I think that is the greatest thing of his president. Presidency, Agreed. he saved so many babies' lives by doing that. It's it's beautiful. Now, outside of that, what he did was is he finally, after so many years, exposed the media for the frauds that they are, for the liars that they are, and that's really that that really is what broke the system open. Was realizing that the media literally picks and chooses who's been leading our country for the longest time, and and you know whoever's controlling the media beyond that, we don't know. So, <laughs> the Matrix. Yeah. Exactly. The well, really, really powerful people. Well, he pulled the curtain behind and showed who the Matrix were, and that's why they they he's been attacked so many times. That they're coming after him and his family, not just yeah. him, his fan, him, his family, his businesses. They're literally trying to take Trump Tower away from him in New York. So under un, which are under documents that have been completely, they're saying that he 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 falsified um, how much Trump Tower was worth, even though there's no evidence whatsoever of that. Yeah, you see these sorts of things, and, and, and this is how you know it's a political persecution, because they're literally trying to pursue anything that they possibly can, and it, always, and it only ever seems to be in areas where it's either controlled by hardcore establishment Republicans or hard-left Democrats that hate his guts. I mean, th this is what's going on. They're trying to get him on anything that they can find, and I, I, always, found, I always found it rather hilarious that... Um, that, that people were that people were saying no he's actually guilty of these things or 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 Ron does, all these Republicans have a better chance of winning if that were the case why are they why are they trying to put Trump in jail so he can't run yeah, because he's a threat to the establishment that's right that's exactly right he is the he is the one that has the oh. best chance of winning in my opinion that's and I don't I don't believe the polls I don't believe anything because oh. I, I I can say I've been analyzing elections since 2016. Well, <coughs> and and I can tell you the polls are wrong a lot. Yeah. Well, like the polls have him up over Biden currently, and like this is my opinion. I've told I've told I've told everyone this, and I'll say it again. I don't want to say it, but I just think he has a zero percent chance of winning. I think Biden has a hundred percent chance of winning. I don't think he's going to lose. I I just don't see it because like my generation, like I'll say it again, they hate him. They're they're they lean hard left. And they will do anything they can to to, get, to make sure Trump does not get in there, literally. And we saw the shenanigans that happened, in my opinion, in the 2020 election and in the 22 midterms in Arizona. So what makes you think they're not going to try those shenanigans again? Nothing. I 100 percent agree with you. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Trump wins if he gets if he if he becomes the Republican nominee. They will rig it. They will do everything in their power to keep him out of office and they might even kill him. I, I I do I do truly uh, believe that that's on the table. I don't. I'm still not sure if they would try to JFK him because they would because that would just make him a martyr. Then because yes, but 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 at a certain point, it becomes safer for them to be viewed negatively than it would be than it would be for him to get into office and do to them what Trump is because, going to be, do to them if he gets in. Because if they killed him, that would immediately start a civil war immediately. I just don't think Americans have the have the um, what's the word I'll use the testicular fortitude to do a civil war. 
I just don't. I think that we're drained. I think that we have our Netflix and our Pornhub. And because we have our Netflix and our Pornhub, we're never going to get off up our butts and do anything. Things got to get hard and we got to start really suffering. I mean, let's look at let's look at, you know, uh, other countries. Look, look what had to happen before the Russians rose up against the czar and, 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 you know, had their communist revolution. They had to have been starving for decades. They had to be dying. They, they had to be dying at the hands of, uh, of, of, um, of the monarchs taxes. There was, there was a lot of stuff that was going on that had to, that had to cause that. And I just don't see Americans, the fat, lazy Americans getting up off their butts and doing anything about it. And that's coming from a fat American. So, I mean, you can take your, you can take my word for it if you want, if you, you don't have to, but I just don't, yeah. I just don't see it happening. We're too lazy. Yeah. Uh, it's been an hour because um, your, your producer Ronan, I believe it is told me that you can only do an hour because you have to do your show pretty soon. So, yeah. Yes. But, but yeah. Uh, okay. Then um, we're, we'll wrap this up right here real quickly. Then um, um, Joe, where can my audience find you at actually, man? Yeah, you can check us out on YouTube. Just type Red Top Report in the search bar. We'll be the first thing that comes up. And you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on X. It's Red Top Report. You can go look it up there. Or you can follow me personally as well. It's at J-E-N-D-E-R-S-I-I. And you can find me on pretty much any social media platform that you're choosing if you want to catch more from me. And you can also catch some of my writing on churchmilitant.com too. Yeah, okay. Um, go over there and, and subscribe and follow um, Red Top Report and follow Joe too as well, guys, because he's he's one of the boys. We need to help him get, get um, build his following too. Also, guys, if you're watching this video, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe to this channel here on Rumble. Also, follow me on all the social media platforms because I'm on all of them. Particularly, follow me on Twitter and this at my handle at RayStudios29. You can see it right there. Also, follow me on all the podcast platforms, all, all the podcast platforms because I'm on all of those as well. All right, guys, this is Ray, and this was Joe Enders, and this was the Rate Infinity Show podcast. This was episode number 124. Catch you guys later. Peace!